Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. When your spiritual father introduces you to someone you know, you're in for a ride. You know that you will connect with that person very well. This is the case with my guest here tonight, with Lance Hall, who was acquainted with Dr. Bob Chapman, who was my spiritual father and who also had a massive impact in his life. And as soon as we connected, we began a journey, a journey together. I don't know too much about Lance, but I do know a little bit, enough to invite him to the show and discover more about his journey. Welcome to the show, Lance. No, thank you for having me. So I suppose your life began long, long before Dr. Bob Chapman came into your life. <laughs> it did. I was actually born, yes. I was born yeah. into the church. My mother... You were was, born into the church? Yeah, basically. I was a, born a Presbyterian. Oh. My mother was a Presbyterian. So we won't hold that against Yeah, you. that's right. And, uh, and uh, my uh, gran granny, my father's um, mother, was a very spiritual person and used to go to church all the time. And Two, then, three generations, eh? Yes, and so a bit like Timothy. Yeah. Uh, my father wasn't, uh, he w went to youth group, but he later didn't choose to go to church. So it was really just my mother and my grand granny, we used to call her. Yeah. Used to be um, the spiritual people in my life. Yeah. Uh, I got a brother and sister, a younger sister and a younger brother. I'm the oldest in the family. Nice. And so we grew up in um, a Presbyterian church on Kitchener Road in Melville. Ah, uh, nice. Melville Presbyterian Church. and what, the, what is it called now? It's still called uh, Melville United Church now. Okay. It okay. was the Presbyterian Church and uh, had uh, Reverend Jack Hutchinson, who was a ex-missionary from uh, Vanuatu or New Hebrides, yep. as we know. Yeah. And uh, and he was the head of the church. Yes. Very spiritual man. Mm -hmm. um, he was a, a very strong uh, Preacher uh, used to teach the basics, very much the basic teaching. Yeah. So I grew up in the church from yep. from from a baby. Yeah. All the through, I went through the the um, boys brigade, and uh, I, I got uh, christened as they did in those days. They christened people. Yeah. And uh, and then um, then went to boys brigade or yep. Sunday school, uh, youth group. And boys so brigade. is boys brigade part of a ministry? Boys brigade is a, is its own brigade. They have, they run that in Australia. And yeah. It's for young men. To join and be brought is up. Is that a Christian or Christian? Yeah. It is Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure and steadfast is their motto. Yeah. And so we were, we were brought up. Had some great mentor. Had a great mentor at the Boys Gate in in uh, um, Dick Harmson, uh -huh. who's now passed away. But he was one of my mentors as well as um, Jack Hutchinson, my the pastor. Yeah. Uh, and he was. And so I grew up in the church. And eventually, when I was eight, uh, 17, 18, I let, I finished high school. I basically left that church and went on my independence. I went out to do farm management or farming, and uh, that's when I left the church. Had a bit of connection over the years, but basically that was the end of the full time going to that church. So okay. Was, so did you leave the church in in that period at all, or like fully left the church? You weren't connected with Christianity. Yeah, so yet? I went over east to do my farm management studies at Orange Act College. Mm -hmm. In uh, but before I did that, I had to do a year. In 1980, 81, um, I had to do a year um, of farming, and so I was working in the country. I'd come back occasionally to the church and catch up with the youth and that sort of thing, but I was 
becoming independent. Okay. It was a different... It was a so, different. Uh, you were born here in Perth? I was born here in Perth, born in Melville, yes. Okay, nice. 1963, yeah. Beautiful. Up the road from our pastor. He used to live down at the T-junction of our street, so we used to see his light on most evenings and late in the morning sometimes. He was a very, he used to spend a lot of time praying. Yeah, early mornings. Early mornings, he was praying. Wow. So he was a good leader, he was a good man. It's nice to grow up with such strong people around you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Good role models. He was a great role model. His his dying words to his son were, one more for Christ. And his son said, I think you've done enough, Dad. I think it's time to go and meet 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 Christ Himself. Wow! So yeah, it's a pretty special time. It's a beautiful way to go, isn't it? Yeah. So, so mum was very in tune with Christianity. Your dad wasn't so much. Dad, uh, yeah, mum was the she was the uh, spiritual head of the ha- household, basically. Yeah. Um, dad never objected to us. Um, mm-hmm. He was always um, uh, gave us the freedom to do what we liked with church, encouraged us to go, and supported mum and. He benefited from it all, for sure. Of course, yeah. And he knew that the kids are going to get a good moral yeah. education. and Yep, and he sometimes came and cooked at church camps because he was a great cook, and so he used to come and cook for us. And nice. he's had some of the best preachers try to teach, bring the gospel to him, but uh, he's been he's a sort of happy-go-lucky guy who really, just to be like... Never committed? Never like. committed, wore it off the duck's back, never yeah. really took it in. So it was mm. very interesting having that dynamic in the family. When your mum married him, uh, he's, even at the time he wasn't in the faith, so your mum married him even though she knew that he wasn't a you know, Christian man. Well, that's a good question. I never got to ask that question, but he was going to the youth group when they met. Okay. So they were meeting in a youth group in the hills somewhere, and, uh, and so she met him. He yeah. was at youth group. But from, since that time of marriage to, you know, as I was growing up, he, he wasn't present. Yeah, the church never made it a regular thing. He'd come right. occasionally, but he wouldn't make it a regular thing. Mm. So, yeah, it was interesting dynamic in our family. And being the older, a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. You still carry, you feel that um, responsibility? I think as an old, older, the older of the, of the siblings, you always have some sort of responsibility. You want to feel responsible for things. And uh, I think that the siblings look at you a little bit like that. You're yeah. the oldest, so you're going to take responsibility whether you like it or not. You didn't disappoint them? Uh, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, <laughs> my sister and brother are not walking with the Lord um, and and probably they're probably taking Dad's side more than anything else, which is what happens when you have uh, that sort of division division in a family. And, uh, mm. and so, yeah, sometimes my sister's the one that we have a lot of issues with. And but I'm the oldest, and so I'm also meant to be the peacemaker in some respects, trying yeah. to keep the peace. That's and right. being the Christian, we're, we're not. And growing up, how was it? We're still the peacemaker and really in the mix of it all. Were you looking after them? Did you have to take care of them? Uh, they were pretty. Rescue in- them? No, they were pretty independent. Okay. My brother's pretty independent. He was the youngest, five by five years, and so yeah. he was the. He was left at home with mum and dad and, and was spoiled, like all the young ones seemed to get spoiled. Yeah. Um, my sister always felt like she was the middle child and had the middle child syndrome and mm. and, and wasn't always in favour with dad. Dad was always looking down on her, so she's carried that for her life. So, yeah, it's been an interesting dynamic. So as the oldest one and leaving home at 17, um, basically uh, you... you, uh, you 
miss a lot of what goes on in the family. But yeah. you know, my sister found it pretty tough and she left home um, pretty young, uh, probably about 17, 18. She left home as well mm-hmm. and went out and be independent as well. So, yeah, so it was, it was it's it's an interesting dynamic. How were your teen, uh, teenage years? Um, pretty close to God, close to family? <clears throat> didn't have a period of rebellion or uh, uh, drifting? My pastor would tell you that I wasn't a golden child. No. I was always in trouble yeah. with him. Um, his daughter was about the same age, a bit older. We used to get into a few trouble. When I was in Boys Brigade, we uh, were a bit of a stirring bunch of lads and yeah. we used to upset all the camps and cause all sorts of dramas. And uh, so I wasn't an angel, I can tell you that much. But, yeah. uh, and uh, had to was told one night to pack my bags and you're, you're going back to back home the next day, but the leader um, reneged and and forgave, and, and we were able to stay. But it was a it was a fun time. But uh, so the highlights uh, would be the camps. Those would be the highlights. Yeah, of your yeah the camps. The youth was big in our church. Yeah, we about a hundred um, kids at our youth group. Oh, amazing! And so we had a huge youth group and a huge dynamic and some great leaders and. Some and where would you go down south? On the camps? Yeah, we went to, uh, well, Logue, Brook Dam, places out there, down Bustleton, Serpentine. I think we went, uh, we'd go camping. We'd do all sorts of things. We, we were doing everything we could do that, that young people did then. Yeah. It was really good. And people, youth group, youth groups had come from all over um, West Australia. Like, you know, we used to come from Cottesloe to go to Melville. So yeah. The youth group was well known. So Oh, nice. And it was good. It was good. Were you playing any sports in your uh, teens? Uh, well, I went to a private, so I, I left um, the public system and went to a private school, Scotch College, at the age, at uh, year, uh, for year six and year seven. Wow. And uh, a lot my, of money. My, yeah, my parents were middle class. Mum worked at a retirement village and my father worked on the wharf, shift worker. Yeah. And they worked very hard to provide for that education. We, all three of us went to that school. So why did they put you into Scotch? Uh, good question. It was, I think there was a family connection somewhere along the track, uh, but that was their aim, to give us a good education. And so, um, yeah, I was the first to go to Scotch. My sister went to PLC and my, my brother went to Scotch as well. And you finished high school there? I finished, yeah, high school there. So, yeah. So my sports career, my sports yep. stuff, I used to get involved in rugby mm-hmm. um, and also rowing. So oh. I, I was in the first eight rowing. Yeah. So the on the river? On the yeah, we used to row on the Swan River okay. back then. On Mosman Park, where was it? Or Peppermint Grove? No, it was on. We used to um, row along the bottom of Kings Kings Park there. Oh, Crawley. Crawley, yeah. We oh, used yeah. to do the two thousand meter nice. row, which is uh, fairly heavy for first dates. That's where you've got the big arms and the I don't know upper about that. body. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been. Yeah. yeah, both rugby and rowing would have given you a, a strong upper body. Yes, yeah. So, ah, beautiful. And then uh, when you finished year 12, you decided to go to an agricultural college? Yeah, well, I had a cousin who had a dairy farm in Pinjarra, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of friends at school that were in the agriculture, and I had no clue, absolutely no clue what I wanted to do as a yep. career. So we were sitting in the library one day, and we were talking about what we we're going to do, and somebody said, oh, I'm checking out this place called Orange Ag College. They'll take anybody from West Australia. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, I might join you. So we signed up. There and then to go to Orange Ag College and where was this in Victoria? Or New South in Wales? New South Wales, okay. yeah, so near Bathurst. Okay, Orange is near Bathurst. It's where the apples grow. Okay. Orange is where the apples grow. 
So they they have a school, a college is it like yeah, a had an eight college, had an eight college. We did an associate diploma in farm management. So that's what okay. I signed up for. Yeah, mm-hmm. So two years, two years full time, full time. And you moved there. Yep, moved onto campus to start with for the first year. Then we had to move off campus the second year. Mm-hmm. Lived in the town and practice a lot of practicals. Yeah, we used to travel out there and do practice all the time. We had to work on the farm that they ran as well, so it was very... Was it fun for you? Did you enjoy it? Oh, I loved it. Oh, you loved it? Yeah, great lifestyle. Yeah. So when you finished school, what did you do? You started working, you came back here, or you began working? Yeah, I came back here. I hadn't quite finished my degree. had some, like, financial... My parents paid for most of the... um, Course. uh, Oh, the course. I had to pay for the rent, and, and I was working in between studies, so... Um, and I had a lovely Christian family out at Molong, which is only about 50 k's down the road, that used to say, just rock up and we'll pay you $40 a day. Wow. And so if I needed money, I'd just go out there and work there and earn enough farm. money to pay the rent. <laughs> but it was, t- it was it's taxing when you're trying to do exams sure. and trying to study. So in the end, there was a bit too much pressure and I didn't quite finish. So I came back here to finish off the studies yeah. and uh, try to get a job. But because I hadn't gone to Muresk at college, no one would employ me, so it was a bit difficult mm-hmm. finding work. So yeah, yeah. So and then my career, I went and worked for a livestock firm. Yeah. And uh, I worked for a farmer, then got a job with a livestock firm. Oh no, sorry, other way around, livestock firm. And they were not very great. They weren't great. Um, their integrity wasn't great as a company, and I couldn't. I felt that being a Christian, I couldn't work for these people who yeah. were just ripping farmers off, basically. Yeah. And so I left them and then worked for a farmer for a while and applied for a mature age apprenticeship or mature age um, place in Coles, mm-hmm. supermarkets. Okay. And so I entered them at the age of 21 to do the traineeship with them. That would have led you to management? Yeah, it did. Lend me, eventually led me to management. So okay. I went yeah, through it's the market. Yeah, I went through the ranks there as... as uh, Trainee to nightfall manager to grocery, grocery manager or merchandise manager, and then I jumped ship and went to West Farmers and worked huh. in Calgary. Woolies, uh, at Woolies. Uh, no, West Farmers. Okay. They used to run. Uh, they owned Charlie Cars at one stage, but before they used to have Farmer Jacks. And yes. So I went out to Calgary. Ruth and I got married. That's where you met Ruth. Uh, met Ruth at youth group. Here in, in town. Uh, in Melville, she was going to the Melville youth group. Okay, local girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, Did you know her before you went to uh, New South Wales or not? Um, so, uh, that, that's, we had met, um, I'd, I'd come back for a year, from the first year, yeah. and I'd met uh, Ruth at a camp. Okay. And, uh, and basically, um, she, we were at a camp together. I was with somebody else, um, but Ruth tells me that she saw me and told her friend that, I was the person she was going to marry, <laughs> and so I was numbered. And so yeah, so on my return trip from um, after the second year, um, I was driving across the Nullarbor, and I thought, oh, I wonder if that girl is still going to the youth group. Yeah. And I rocked up to the youth group the the week the weekend that I got back, and there was Ruth, and that's history. Yeah. So yeah. So you saw her, your eyes connected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You knew there was something there. She knew it all along. She was just waiting for you. Just waiting for me, probably. Yes. To have the awareness <laughs> yeah. that this was going to happen. And, and she said no many times before. She said yes. So she knew how to play, how to how to get. Yes, that's right. Smart girl. In the end, I didn't ask her. 
We yeah. just went to the jewellery shop and looked at, at rings and eventually said, oh, we might as well get one. And, and she said, does that mean we're getting married? And I said, I suppose it does. <laughs> <laughs> you meant business though. Yep, of course. Knew what I wanted. Had I only had um, $700 in my paycheck that I had from the... Yeah. For, that was all I had and I committed it all. So when did you get married? When did we get married? Where? We got married in the church in Melbourne and by Jack Hutchison. Oh, beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, 1986, yeah. Did you have to ask her parents uh, for yes, the hand? Yes, of course. You've got to do that. How did you do that? Uh, that was an interesting evening, that was. <laughs> Dad was... Um, because Ruth is the youngest of six. Okay. And so um, Dad was, how old was Dad? He was retired. Her dad? Yeah. Yeah. And? And he was retired, so he was fairly old. And uh, and so we had to um, go and approach him. And he was watching his favourite show on TV. Mm. And uh, basically, uh, he didn't like being interrupted when he was watching his favourite show. And I'm trying to have a conversation with him. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, I think it was Pot Black he watched, and that was his favourite show. Yeah. Had to wait for that to finish, so I'm sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I um, uh, asked him if it was okay to marry Ruth, and he just said, do you think you can put up with her? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it started from there. And you said, yeah? Yeah, of course. And then what did he say? Not much after that. He just went back to watching his program. <laughs> So were you all... nervous while you were waiting? Absolutely nervous. It's <laughs> a big thing. I know. <laughs> but he acted so casual about it. Oh, uh, well, he, he, had... he obviously knew that it was coming, I think. He had experience. He had six girls before that. Had... Not six girls. He had oh, six... boys before that. Oh. He had rather one girl, but yeah, no. Only one girl? Yeah. And you took her away? No, two. Just two. Oh. Uh, older sister as well. Okay. So, so yeah. four boys, two girls. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, so you're back in Perth now, you're married. Not married yet. Not married yet? Yeah, we were married in 86, yeah. yeah. And you're working as a, uh, in Coles? I was working at Coles. Yeah. I had just finished um, night film manager. Yeah. I had a deal with the manager at Belmont yeah. that he wanted me to go on to night film. Yeah. And I was about six months out from being married. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, look. I I'll do it until marriage. I said, I'm happy to do it. But I, I want to go back on the days when I'm married. He says, if you do it, it's a deal. So he, he said, I'll oh, make sure you come off the night film when yep. you're married. And he kept his word. He was a great man. Great. He, a, he kept his word. And uh, he had a very, we had a good relationship. He just said, I expect this sort of presentation. It doesn't matter how long it takes to do it. I just want the job done properly. Awesome. And, and we used to do the job properly. And he was good to his word. And what brought you to, what took you to Kalgoorlie? So Kalgoorlie was when I, Coles, I had an issue with one of the coal stores in Kunar mm-hmm. where I'd heard, overheard a, a bit of um, uh, dissension about, or a bit of backstabbing going on in yep. that company where someone was accusing me of something that I didn't do yep. in the in the aisle next to me while I was doing some shelf filling. Yeah. And uh, so I decided, well, I'm not going to put up with that. So I went for an interview with West Farmers and got a job with them as assistant manager. In Kalgoorlie. In Kalgoorlie. And Ruth was okay to just yeah, we were married and she moved and she went on and did some dental nursing okay. while we were there. But it's a tough town for, for ladies. Yeah. And uh, so, but it was it was a good experience. How long were you there? Uh, roughly 13 months. Okay. And local church? Uh, that, was a, that was an issue because we were, 
we this manager I worked with, um, he was such a, a a real worker. He was a workaholic. Yeah. He worked seven days a week, and he expected and he used to, to start at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to try and compete with him, and uh-huh. so I would get up at the same time and go to work, and I'd work seven days a week. So mm-hmm. church was falling away quite yeah. a bit. And one day I'd run myself basically in the ground after many, many weeks. Mm-hmm. And one day I went into him and says, I just can't keep coming in this early. It's just, it just seems to be pointless. I'm running out of energy. Steam. And he said, I was waiting for you to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> he was a pretty good player too. He was, he was good at, he was a good wise person too. He was just letting see how far I would go. Yeah. But we got on really well. It was a good relationship. Did you make manager in the end? Yes. Uh, um, after 11 months there, yep. uh, I was moved to Austerlin to become manager oh, for nice. my 25th birthday. Oh, well done. So, yeah. At Farmer Jack in Austerlin? At Farmer Jack's in Austerlin. Yeah, so you moved across back to on the coast? Yes. It's a it's nice a, place, Austerlin. Yeah, it is. And uh, how long were you there? I was there for about 11 months again. Mm-hmm. And then we had a baby while I was there. Uh, that was our son. He was born. His name? His name's Benjamin. Benjamin, beautiful. And so he was born. Why did you call him Benjamin? Uh, it was all oh because of um, uh, Ben Hall, the bush ranger. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was more biblical, more spiritual. <laughs> no. no, we we were going to call we were get, we planned to call him Benjamin, and my mother was oh no, you can't call him Benjamin. That's Ben Hall, the bush ranger. Oh. And we went, oh, okay. So, friends of ours, we thought, oh well, we'll we might have to call him Matthew. So, we we sort of to and froed about the name, and then the butcher's um, wife had a, had, a, had a baby, and they called it Matthew. So you couldn't have Matthew. And so we just said, oh, no, it's got to be Benjamin. But mother, mother had gone out and told everybody. When the baby was born, it was going to be called Matthew. So when she found out, <laughs> she wasn't too happy about it, but she got over it. <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. So your mum was quite involved in, in your life, uh, very close to you guys. Yeah, very close. Yeah, nice. Yeah, mum was very close. And then uh, from Australia, we, I then went down to Albany to mm-hmm. sort out problems down there. Um, and then they had bought Charlie Carter's. West Island had bought Charlie Carter's. Mm-hmm. They employed too many managers. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a quiet manager. I was always pretty vocal about things that I wanted to see changed. Yeah. And so I got a, uh, basically the supervisor came in and said, we don't need your services anymore. And yep. so I, I left the job. But it was an answer to prayer because two weeks prior to that, I said to the Lord, basically, what am I doing here? Yeah. What is this job role? Like, like people know that I'm a Christian here. I'm, yeah. Like it's not as if they all know. They knew before I even got here that I was a Christian. Yeah. And I said, but what, what am I doing here? I don't see any any fruit of whatever's going on here. You know, yeah. they've trained these people well. They're yeah. good staff members. But, you know, show me if I'm meant to stay here. Yeah. And uh, two weeks later, the supervisor came and said, we don't need you. Uh-huh. And I went, oh, thank you. And he said, what, you're not upset? I said, no. That's an answer to prayer. prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I love My it. wife was upset because she didn't know it was coming. So I wasn't, she wasn't. So did she nest in Albany? Uh, well, we, yeah, we had um, our, Sarah was born. In Albany. In Albany. Okay. And uh, we were in a company house. Mm-hmm. So we had to move out of the company house. Back to towards Perth? Or? No, we actually stayed. Uh, I was involved with the youth group mm-hmm. at uh, Church of Christ down there okay. and running that. 
And so uh, you're back, uh, quite committed to Christianity, quite committed at this stage to the church life. Mm, yeah, very. Yeah, like I, I became a Christian when I was sixteen, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, so baptized. Uh, no, baptized when I took over the youth group in Church of Christ because that was a requirement. Okay. Because I was christened in Albany. In Albany. Okay. In the water. So full immersion. Yes. Finally. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Yes. So. So and Ruth had she been immersed as well? Uh, yes, yeah, she had been. Eventually, she was. She was done in a bath, though. She wasn't done in the ocean like me. Okay. Right. She had the bath, but they, they forgot to turn the heater on, so it was just as cold. Nice. Because when we baptize in Albany, you got to make sure you yeah. make sure that they're truly, truly baptized. So you got to have Arctic waters yeah. to, to be baptized in. So Antarctic waters. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you uh, you had to move from the company house as well. Yeah, I had to move from company house. So I set up a lawn mowing round mm-hmm. from scratch. I got a trailer built, bought some equipment, and started doing lawn mowing. Back to agriculture. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a kid, I was I was fascinated by a lawnmower, and yes. so I used to follow the lawn mowing man around when he used to visit. And if uh, I went missing, my mother would look for, here for a lawn mowing, and uh, she'd find she me knelt. running around behind the lawn mower with my little toy lawnmower oh. mowing the lawn. So I was real passionate. I loved mowing the lawn. My, one of my grandfathers actually taught me how to mow the lawn when I was about 10. Beautiful. And so I used to go to Mandra and mow the lawn for him. Mm. He used to always make sure it was long enough for me to mow it when I got there. So I had this real passionate, about passionate lawn mowing. Nice. And so setting up lawn mowing around was great. I had, had a good time doing that, built it up from nothing. So from nothing? Just through word of mouth, a bit of marketing. Yeah, a few church people helped and yeah. got their lawns done, you know. Eventually built it up to about 60. Mm-hmm. Which then, is a good, that's good business. That's It needed to be about 120, but we were surviving, just mm-hmm. surviving. But yeah. um, it was going well. Yeah. And then uh, my mother got diagnosed with motoneurone disease. Oh. And so um, this is actually, this is her 25th year of her passing. So, yeah, so she got diagnosed with motor neurone disease. And, how old was she? 60? Uh, 58 when she was diagnosed. And how long did she live after that? About uh, five years? Died at 63. Four, three years? Four years? Five years. Five years, yeah. yeah died at 63. So, yeah. yeah. So so, that, so we um, made a decision to sell everything. And I fortunately, my mother said, don't you do anything silly and come up here to Perth, you know. Yeah. You know, and we going. Yes, That's exactly yes, what you did. Yes, Mum. No worries. We so we fudged it a bit, and we I, I sold my gear off to a lawnmowing contractor who needed someone. He wanted to have a holiday. Yeah. So I said, if you look after my lawnmowing round, I'll. And he was a he was a Christian or a new Christian. He said, look after my lawnmowing round, and while I go and have a holiday, and then uh, so I worked for him for a while. Yeah. And then we eventually um, packed everything up and moved to Perth. Sold that to him. So yeah, he bought he bought a half the round with another lawnmower contract because um, the way I set it up, my prices were higher than most people. So it was good for him. It, it was, was all, attractive. Yeah, very attractive, and so they took it all, which was good. And, yep. and I got a job out of it for a while, which kept food and table, and then was able to move back to. We went to Bibra Lake, stayed there for three months, and then moved to Mandra to work for um, a community group to set up the Peel Youth Program, which is called Peel Youth Services today. Was that a government business? A government it, was a, it, was a, it was funded by Burdekin over for street homeless children mm-hmm. and street children. So Burdekin Foundation funded this um, project, and so we were employed under that. 
through our community group that was a Pinjara youth group, and it wasn't a church group. And was your mum in uh, in Alany? Mum was uh, in, in Mandurah? In Perth. In, Ma- She's in Perth. Perth, yeah. So you could visit her and spend time yeah, with her? it was closer to her. So we Did she deteriorate fast? Yes, she did. She, um, not as fast as some people do, but yeah. she deteriorated enough that it was um, it was pretty sad watching her lose her uh, voice. Yeah. It was probably the worst because she was a pretty happy person. Yeah. She still liked to have a giggle and carry on, but losing her voice. Being out of communi- not being able to communicate it's pretty yeah and and it's a nasty disease you just terrible. lose I mean you, you're 100% conscious yet you can't do it. you just see your muscles mm. deteriorate and eventually you suffocate and that's what happened to her she eventually she made it to my sister's wedding and died a couple of days later wow that so was something suffocated. for her to fight on yeah, yeah. So, so yeah it was pretty hard but she uh, had a plan when she got diagnosed she told yeah. my father that I do not want to go into a home yeah. She said, I don't care what your social life is, keep doing what you want to do, go to the club, whatever, but I just want to stay at home. So Dad honoured that and he yep. looked after her, fed her. Um, my auntie used to come over and sit with her when Dad went and did his football yes. duties and stuff like that. And so it was a good arrangement and Mum was able to die at home, which Beautiful. was what she wanted. So mm. so it was, a, it was a tough time. But it was Yeah, it would have been. That's... Uh... It's a slow death, but you know you get the opportunity to at least you know to transition and mm. you know sort of sink it in. Um, I've had some good friends pass away with with motor neuron. Um, my Bible college uh, principal, um, he had motor neuron. Um, then another student of ours at the Australian School of Ministry, mm. uh, he had. Motor neuron, and he passed away while he was studying. Mm. There's 182 cases in WA now. Yeah. I didn't know that because I just went to the motor neuron disease fundraiser. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a debilitating thing. Yeah. So anyway, so she passed away, and uh, like she had a, when she withdrew from the church, that was a big thing. Yeah. Um, it was something that uh, she used to get a lot of visitors from church, mm-hmm. which was a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but she'd committed her whole life to the church, and so. It, it was tough for her not to be able to, be able to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was a, a bit of a tough time. And then you settled in Mandurah with, uh, that, that became more, more of a settlement than the other. Because you, you transition, you move quite a bit, mm-hmm. but now you, with this job, you were more localised. Yeah. So I was basically, um, uh, I had a friend who was in the churches. Uh, he was in the church down there was Christmas Presbyterian yeah. Church. And he said, why don't you apply for this job? He mm-hmm. was on the board. Yes. And so I was employed with another man, mm-hmm. uh, to, um, a guy called Bert Winning, to help to set this program up. Yes. Probably wasn't a great idea having two coordinators running the show. Yeah. Someone should have been subordinate. But, yeah. But because we parted company about after a year, Bert went on to other things. And so, but uh, the program got set up and running. Yes. And, uh, and I was involved with the church down there. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the Westminster Presbyterian Church, um, and then uh, did probably at eighteen months, and then we tried to transition to an independent incorporated body. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, because I'm not a quiet person, I was quite vocal about the 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 government department that were overseeing it. Yeah, they were trying to push us into a mentoring situation, but we were still doing all the foundational work with the schools and trying to connect with kids in school, doing preventative work. As well as some street kids, 
Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't agree with the direction we were, or the slowness, how slow we were taking. So he stopped the funding and oh. I, I was unemployed from then on. Mm. So then I worked for the Commonwealth Employment Service doing training courses. Yep. And then they wouldn't employ me because I didn't finish my degree in agriculture. Oh. And I didn't have a degree in pencil sharpening. Yes. So they wouldn't employ me in the Commonwealth Employment Service. Oh. So I went to the pastor and said at the time, and he said, well, what were you good at at school? And I said, well, two top Maths. subjects was accounting and geography. And he yeah. said, well, which one do you think is going to have a Bring job? money. <laughs> and I said, accounting is probably going to have a job. So I went off and did study. So you went to, to do... Started doing study at Edith Cowan in Bunbury. A Bachelor of Business? Bachelor of Business, Commerce, yeah. End up with... And I, and I always wanted major. to do management and accounting. Okay. I told God, I don't want to do this tax rubbish, yeah. this tax accounting. So I wanted to do this <laughs> management accounting. Yeah. And uh, and I ended up finishing my degree with a double major in public accounting, public practice and, and commerce. Yeah. And so it was tax accounting that I <laughs> But so you still God knows, because as soon as I got uh, had my degree, was you got a job. Um, I got a job with my accountant. Yeah. who was my accountant in Albany. Yeah. yeah, and I moved back to she Albany. She went back to Albany. Oh. Back to Albany to work. And Ruth's not complaining. Uh, always. Well, we moved a few times. <laughs> we have moved a few times in our in our in our married life, and so we were getting pretty good at moving. Yeah. But this was at least a full time job. It wasn't. It was like. It looked like it had a good future. At least you couldn't add too much clutter around the place. You had to de. Oh, we decluttered all the time. Had a principal. Hadn't used it for six months. It was out the door. Yeah. So we never kept much, and yeah. so but we we used to know how to travel, and you had to pack. And I hated moving though; just hated it in the end. Yeah. But so I went to Albany and worked uh, with a. a, a uh, Snow and Associates. Yep. Uh, the head of the Snow and Associates was a Christian. My bo- immediate boss was a Christian guy. Yep. And so it was good. It was a good um, start. Now, compared to what you learn in, in university and what you actually do every day, it's a different ballgame, isn't it? Yeah, well, you do a lot of theory. Yeah. When you put it in practice, it I'm, doesn't... I'm thankful for computers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just computers do all the thinking and yeah. I don't have to think as much. But you still gotta know now, you still yeah. gotta know what you're gonna do. Especially now we've advanced so uh, much. It's, uh, it's so pre filled in. I mean People can do their tax on their phone in 10 minutes, really. Yeah, yeah. If they've just got basic stuff, you know. Yeah, so I started when um, GST came in. Mm-hmm. So I was very popular because I knew about it. It made sense to you. Just and because I already, I was able to, I, I, by then I was I was able to lead in church and do some, yeah. um, do messages and stuff in church when I was younger. I was able to te- teach people, that, the clients, about GST, yeah. which no accountants, except for the my immediate boss, who also preached in church and, yeah. and led in church, they we could teach, speak, but other, other accountants couldn't do it. They couldn't, couldn't explain. It. And like, so I worked in, walked into a firm where these um, three other, the two partners there weren't going to go near a microphone. Uh-huh. And so we started to teach our clients about GST. So you'd invite them at workshops? Yes. Oh, nice. So we taught them. And then obviously you got more and more clients that way because you became experts. You became more embedded in the community. Well, we got a lot of enough work, that's for sure, but it was just to service the clients, so I'd be able to explain it to them. So that was it was a good timing. And it's God's timing. Because yeah. you know, here I was not wanting to be an accountant and or now, a tax accountant. Yeah, and now I, that's exactly what and you're as doing. soon as I finished I walked straight into a job and knew what was the current um, topic, which was GST. And the kids loved Albany as they were growing up? Yeah, great place for the kids to grow up. 
Yeah. We, we were involved with the, the Church of Christ there mm-hmm. and uh, the kids were doing really well there. Beautiful. Uh, but when when we um, left um, Albany the first time, we'd separated from the Church of Christ because the church had a split. Oh. And so when we came back to Albany for the accounting time, we then yeah. went and involved in the new church that had split, which was called North Albany Community Church. Yeah. And I became a elder there. And mm-hmm. uh, we had a, a period of 18 months without a pastor. Oh. And so there was just two elders and we were both workers. One was the shearer. Yeah. I was an accountant. Yeah. And it was a time when we stood up in front of the church and went, I'm an accountant. I work five days a week. He's a shearer. He works six days a week. We yeah. haven't got time to do all the work. Yeah. We need your help. Yeah. So it's time to stand up and do something to help us. And so they when it came to people going to hospital and things like that, Bastard, the church yeah. rose. Yeah. They went and did all that for us. We used to hear about, oh, such and such was in hospital. Oh, yeah, that's that's nice. I can't yeah. quite make it. Oh, you don't need to get there. There's been 10 people visit them today and... And, we, and it was amazing. Beautiful. It was an amazing time before we had a pastor. And that's how it should be, I think. Well, it was a good lesson. We had a lot of unity in the church because yeah. of that, because people were, were felt... Were crossing bridges. Yeah, they were, they were basically involved. They had a place. They, they filled gaps. And yeah. everybody was doing something. It was a good time. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What was next? Um, so then I got this brainstorm that I'd go out on my own. Oh, and so I had a, uh, a man on a motorbike come down from the Christian Motorcycle Club who was an accountant and convinced me to go in partnership with him. Yeah. Um, and so I got my my tax agent licence because he needed it mm-hmm. and I didn't realise how much he needed it until I started working for him. <laughs> so I started working for him. I went, moved back to Mandra. Okay, and we he was went a into, I went into partnership with him, mm-hmm. so-called partnership with him. Yeah, it but you were doing all the work. Uh, he, he couldn't operate without my license, and I was getting paid 25%, so it wasn't such a fair deal. No. And eventually um, we parted company, so I went out and did my own uh, work in about 2008, seven, eight. I was on my own. Mm-hmm. And so basically um, we I set up a little practice. Yeah. I was consulting with a retirement village. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was um, Lady Brand at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was working with the two, the, the two Brian's, Brian Fencock and, and Brian Brand, mm-hmm. and helping them, consulting with them, dealing with some issues. And then the Brian Brand had a massive heart attack at the breakfast table and was um, intestate, didn't have a will. Yeah. And so, therefore, there was a lot of um, things happening at the, that time. The other Brian Fencott was panicking about the whole scenario. No, no, no will. Who was going to be in control? Who was going to step in from the family? Yeah. So he asked me to step in as director mm-hmm. to take the position up so that we could stop an overtake from the family. Yeah. So I did, and um, and uh, basically started the journey with the retirement village. My practice was shut down. Mm-hmm. I kept a few clients. I still yep. kept doing accounting. Yeah. Every year I still did accounting, but I kept a handful of clients to keep my hand in. Yep. But I basically started as a director and I walked into Lady Brand having to deal with a lot of problems. So oh, another journey, another experience. Major experience. That's where I met Bob Chapman. Because oh. we employed Bob, or we supported Bob in his to come into the, the village to, yes. to do Bible studies. And then we also funded him so he could do his prayer ministry down in the... Country towns, yeah. Ah, beautiful. Well, Yarlick was after, but in the yeah, before country, that, he used to go into... Go down to Katanning and that. So yeah. 
I so that's where I met Bob. Yeah. So wow. it, was, it was a good, uh, yeah, good time. And we thought that God was going to keep the, the village, mm-hmm. but uh, he, had, he had other intentions and he eventually shut that down or sold it, yeah. sold to somebody else. So, so you yeah. went back to accounting as you would. No, I didn't actually. No. We, we, <laughs> well, then we, because we started this journey with uh, uh, with Brian, uh, we had some land sitting outside the village, which was meant to be developed to be able to pay off investors. Yes. And uh, we, the village was sold, and the land was still sitting there. Mm-hmm. And so we had our own building team. So we decided, well, banks were pushing us to do something, yeah. and so we decided we'd, we'd do some investment properties. Mm-hmm. And we sold um, these properties to uh, investors, and this was in two thousand and nine, which was a pretty tough year with um, the GFC just happening yep. in two thousand and eight. Yeah, actually two thousand and ten. Sorry, and uh, so we started selling these properties and building land. So we did this, and we did quite in Mandurah. Well. In Mandurah, yes. Yeah. Okay. And we did quite well at that, and then we moved on to another project which was just for cash flow. Yeah. And then it just got worse from then and eventually we got into debt of about a million dollars and I shut the company down. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that that started a whole new journey. Mm. And the journey that I went back to doing accounting for a while and then because we'd, as directors, been forced to sign um, uh, indemnity Guaranteed. insurance, yeah. I was the only director that had any sort of assets Oh, they came and after you. the insurance company came and put me into bankruptcy, basically. Oh, and so I lost everything and went into bankruptcy. Back to zero. And uh, but it was a tough time. But it was tougher waiting for that to happen. It was a lot very mental. A lot of like if anybody is looking at bankruptcy, my recommendation is just do it. The sooner the better. Uh, otherwise, you have this great, this huge mental game, mm-hmm. and it's just it can be it can be very stressful. And for it will family. cost you more. Long cost time. you mental health wise it costs you a lot and and you just need to like do it how long did it torment you uh probably 12 to 18 months and eventually one the day the lawyer rang me and said you're lying to me that you've got more assets than you're telling us mm-hmm. and i signed a statutory declaration and i said i said if that's your attitude i said just come and get me mm-hmm. and so i knew it was coming so i just immediately went into bankruptcy but it was a, it was relief. Yeah. As soon as we did that, it you was just relief. And then from that day, God has just blessed immensely. Everything else. Everything. I, a I, huge turnaround. I, I, I um, had to give up my practice, but before I did, I happened to just join the IPA, the, uh, the, the uh, Independent Public Accountants. Yeah. And I just joined them, and I met a young guy there who was up and coming in Mandra. Yeah, and so I happened just went and saw him one day and said, "This is the story. I'm going to bankruptcy. I'll give you fifty percent of my practice. Yeah, if I can work for you, I'm allowed to earn this much money. Yeah, um, what do you reckon?" And he said, he "Checked me out, and he rang one of the guys that I'd worked for a town part time. I was going to buy a practice in town. Yeah, he knew this guy who was actually the state president of IPA, mm-hmm. and the state president. Oh, yeah, he's a nice guy." And you know he goes off and does mission trips all the time to the Philippines and he, and does all this work for missions and stuff. Yeah. And, he said, and so the young guy said, I'm really impressed with that. He Was said, he Christian? No, or? they're not Christian. Still not today. Yeah. So I'm working with Mitchell okay. today. And uh, we get on like a house We really do get on well. Probably so the best he bought, 
He bought half of the practice. Didn't buy it. I just moved on under his name. Yeah. And I started working. Mm-hmm. And I've I haven't earned as much money ever in my whole. I've I've been looked after. Yeah. And so I started from that day. God blessed me with good income. Yeah. I had no debt. I had no mortgages. Had yeah. no credit cards. Yeah. So I was cashed up. I was doing well. Uh-huh. It was a great time, and we come out of it well. Praise God. Yeah. It's just a stigma, I think, the psychological, as you said, pressure. Yeah, there's always going to be a stigma, and you always get reminded of that when you yeah. try to go and get loans and things like that. Uh, yeah. and, and that can be hard for people to accept. Does that. it still work that much against you? I think these days it's not as difficult anymore. Uh, there's some workarounds, but it can be tough to get loans and things like that. You've just got to, um, yeah, you've got to be persistent yeah. and expect that that's the attitude you're going to face. Yeah. You? But it's just another it's curveball, another, another bend in the road. Well, when you look at some of the um, multi-millionaires, they all have. They've <laughs> all been bankrupt at one stage, some of them. Well, I, I went to a, um, a quite prominent meeting where I was invited as a guest to speak. And in that meeting, you, the qualification was either you made $20 million to speak at this session or you lost $5 million. So to them, it was the same qual. Either you made $20 million, you've been successful, Maybe. or you lost at least $5 million. That was a prerequisite for you to speak on this platform because they knew that if you lost $5 million and if you recovered, you're just as qualified as the guy that still has 20 million in the sense because of the experience that you gain. Mm. So you don't think that losing is a qual, but it is a massive qual out there in mm. the business world. Well, it's an experience and, yeah. and, and it's something that I've shared with many people. Yeah, I've actually helped people who have been faced with bankruptcy. Yeah, In my job, I've come across them. So I'm able to talk for the, to them real. And in fact, I was still in bankruptcy helping most of them go through their bankruptcy or making a decision to do their bankruptcy. You so, know, it's interesting because um, two years ago, before I, uh, before we began the journey of other businesses that you know I'm, I'm involved in, um, I was approached by a company from Queensland to set up a franchise for them here uh, to help people with bankruptcy. So they, they handle off the bank, all, you know, they're kind of accountants, but more than that. Uh, their qualification is different than an accountant. They're liquidators in a sense, mm, they're administrators. Uh, but uh, they they had a very lucrative offer for me. And the qualification for that when they interviewed me was to have empathy. They said, we can teach you all other skills. You've got the support staff. We've got all the admin, everything behind you. But do you have the empathy and can you empathize with the person that's going through that period and just meet up with them and walk and hold their hand, basically? And uh, it's very interesting. You know, it's a, it's a job in itself. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was very tempting uh, to, to go for it, but I wasn't the only disadvantage. I mean, the thing that didn't do it for me was the fact that they wanted a massive upfront fee. And I said, look, I'll pay you the fee as I go along. And they didn't want to do mm. that. I said, but I'm not going to, you know, put hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. up front to get the franchise. Yeah. So God was really good. He um, got, got us through this bankruptcy. We I've only just come out of it in 2000 and. 20. So what, it takes five years? It or took three years. Three I went years. in in 17, came out in 20. Okay. So March, March. So what do you mean it came out? So you get three years and then you become released from your bankruptcy. You okay. become discharged from it and then you're free to go on and 
to business again, basically. So three years, you can't be the director of a company. What else? Can't be a director. You can only earn. Um, you can earn good money. You can earn up to seventy four thousand um, dollars. You can't have a car that's more than six and a half thousand dollars, or now it's seven and a half thousand. It okay. changes every year. Okay. So you were limited in what you could do. What else? That's about it. Oh, it was gold for me. I, I thought that was just fantastic. To earn $75,000 like, was like unheard yeah. of. I was yeah. running practice and battling to, to do that with all the mortgages and all the yeah. debt I had. Yeah. It was just killing me. So okay. God gave me that break for Relief. Me. So, yeah, so that was, uh, that was, and so the journey was good. He found me, um, Mitchell, yeah. and the practice, and I was able to continue to service my clients. Yeah. And so I had that independence. I was also given the freedom to, do mission trips. I was able to go fly out of the country. Normally, sometimes when you're bankrupt, they won't let you out of the country. But I have never, never got rejected any time I went to the other country. Do you have to apply every time? Apply every time. You got to pay money every time, and you just write a letter and say, "This is what I'm doing." Mm-hmm. And they go yes or no, and every time it was yes. So I, I, I basically visited Philippines several times yeah. in the three years, and Singapore, and and did it was just amazing journey. Wow. So. So, yeah, it was great. So it is humbling, but at the same time, it's liberating. Absolutely. it's it, it, If you take it the right way and think this is a fresh start, you can start before you even get out of bankruptcy. Okay. And so, you know, you just... So it's to, perspective. It's it's mind um, thinking. It's the right frame of mind. And I think if you serve a great God, you know that he's you your, provi- he's your that. provider. Yeah. And you don't have to be worrying about things. And we never went without, for sure. Mm. And so we were, and even to now, we before I, I got out of bankruptcy, I was caring for an auntie of mine, mm-hmm. and uh, she said to me that she was going to look after me when she died, yeah. and uh, and so I said, oh yeah, that's fine, auntie, that's great, you know, but you know, I really, really would like you to spend money on your own health and get yeah. someone to look after you, right? Anyway, so she was always adamant, like visiting in a hospital, do what she wanted to do, sure. And just because no one else in the family except me, I was the oldest, I was called oldest yeah. responsibility. Yeah. And the closest thing to her relative, her yeah. brother was in Albany, so he couldn't help her in, in East Fremantle. So, but at the end of the day, she passed. And and when she passed, uh, we, or she'd arranged it that Ruth would inherit a quarter share of her inheritance. Estate. And so we walked out of bankruptcy owning a house. Oh, praise God. And so there was a silver lining to the whole thing, and that's God's blessing. Provision, yeah. And it's a supernatural, miraculous provision Mm. just for you to see that he was always there. Always in control. Always in control. Yeah. And so it was a journey which, look, I can only say it was a great journey. Yeah. You look back, you think originally when we were going through all the stress and all the strain of whether they're going to shut us down or make us go bankrupt and that was causing a lot of stress on my wife yeah and it was causing stress on everything of course um to then make that decision and then see the journey where god just sustained us provided for us had places where i could rent at a reasonable price friends of mine um, beautiful rented houses. this is just amazing because i'm sure a lot of our listeners are facing challenges you know and they probably don't even know uh, how to process that because it's all in the mind. Everything happens in the mind. You, you just can, can't deal with it. It's overwhelming. It's just emotions and mm. not know what, knowing what to do. But in your case, even though the pressure was there, in hindsight now, it seems like I shouldn't even have worried. You know? Yeah, and even to the point where before I went into bankruptcy, because I'd, we'd liquidated the building company and we'd um, sold the village. Yeah. Um, 
we'd had relationships with uh, people who deal with bankruptcies. Yeah. And one of the men uh, from one of the firms rang me, yeah. rang the lawyer that I was dealing with through the bankruptcy and said to him, get Lance to ring me. Yeah. So I or have a coffee. I want to have a coffee with him. So sure. I rang him and he gave me pointers on how to do bankruptcy well, yeah. how to prepare for bankruptcy. Wow. And I and that was just God's blessing. This guy wasn't a Christian. Yeah. It's just God put people in my path yeah. to give me advice. And the confidence to, to go for it, yeah. not to hold back. Yeah, and, and it was it was really reassuring to have those sort of people yeah. that just didn't have to do it, but they decided yeah. that they'd come and give me advice to help me yeah. get through it, how to start it, what to prepare for. And, and so in a way that was a, a good, it was a good journey, a lesson for me to learn. Yeah. Because I had been a bit careless in some things. Mm-hmm. To get the, the mortgages, sure. the debts that I'd taken on were careless. Yeah. And well, I think we've all done that because uh, the money was thrown at us in the you know 2000s uh, when the credit was so flexible. Mm. Uh, we all went into extra mortgage and extra loans. And, and I was the temptation working, was there. Yeah, and I was working with people who had, were entrepreneurial. They just had... They were spending money before they got it. That's yeah. how they were. Yeah. And I got into that bad habit of spending money before I had it. Yeah. And uh, even though I had a wife that was constantly telling me that no. I was heading into danger, and we don't didn't listen. Li- and didn't listen yeah. Um, uh, I got what I deserved in the end, and that was to face this this journey in bankruptcy. Yeah. And so it's it's a lesson to learn. Yeah. Um, and never forget, but. Mm. The greatest thing to learn is that God is there. He's That's been right. there my whole life. Mm. So if there's a legacy that you want to pass on to the generations who follow you, what would that be? Uh, the legacy would be that um, to keep going, to mm-hmm. keep getting, even if you fall over on your face, to keep getting back up and keep running the race. Yeah. Whatever God's assignment is for you, just keep doing it Yeah. until the end. Don't okay. give up. Yeah. yeah. It's not as bad as it is in that epicenter of the problem. No. You will come out of it. That's right. I said, if God is on your side, he will pull you out of it. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're going through. Yeah. He, he wants, he wants his, us to succeed. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a reason for us not being on this earth. He's yeah. got a job for us on this earth. Yeah. And he wants to see us succeed. So well, what are hurdles, what, wherever we fall over, flat on our face. Yeah. Um, he just wants us to get back up and yep. keep brush the dust off and yep. keep moving forward. Wow, beautiful. Thank you, Lance. We learned so much from you today. Well, thank you everyone for joining us tonight at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. What a tremendous story of resilience, of not giving up on God, and even in the darkest moments when you know there was no more way out, God provided a way. And you can see the blessings that have come and have been supernaturally poured on him and his family. God has been faithful and he has provided. So you may be facing difficult situations yourself, maybe even financial situations like they were, and you don't know what to do. It is freeing to seek help. It is freeing to do what you have to do and to let go of whatever holds you back. And sometimes you can be ourselves, our ego. But just let go, humble yourself, deal with the situation and let the Lord restore you. Because in, in a very short time, God can restore you. He can do a lot more than you can do yourself. So just trust in God uh, and believe for a, 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 a miracle in your life and just carry on and allow the newness of life to be real for you. 
let there be a new beginning for you as well. If you love this content, do share it, like it, whatever you're watching it or listening to this. And we will see you next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.